This podcast was sponsored by Normal. Normal. Sexual pleasure at your fingertips, guaranteed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. We at Fat and Eyes pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Fat and Eyes podcast. I am your host Demi Lynch and we are back again talking about the issues, topics, taboos about being a fat bitch. And today on the show, we have another fellow podcaster. This is Kelly. She is the co-host alongside Alicia of the fabulous podcast that is, oh, there is no filters on this podcast. It is the <laughs> Two Humorous Nurses podcast. It is insightful. It is interesting. It is, oh, you get all the details that you need about what it's like to be in the medical industry that is more drama filled than you'd actually think, even more than Grey's Anatomy, from what it seems like. <laughs> Kelly, how are you, my dear? How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello. Now, you did an episode <laughs> this week on the podcast, which people will, right after this, listen to immediately because it will leave you enraged and it will leave you thinking. Why are men, as Rosie Waterland famously says. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners very briefly about why are we are frustrated with men? <laughs> what made this particular man that did a particular thing that you talked about in this episode? Yeah, so I did a deep dive episode. Um, it, the episode's called Scarred for Life, uh, and it's about a UK liver transplant surgeon, Simon Bramhall, who decided he was very well-respected, renowned, did fabulous things, had done over 300 liver transplants without any problems that we know of. Mm. Um, and he just decided one day after a, a particularly bad day maybe that he would put his initials using a <laughs> electric diathermy <laughs> device onto the freshly transplanted liver. And he admitted to doing that twice. And um, he didn't really have any reason for it other than it was a bad day and all before he knew he, he'd done it and um, branded these poor people. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh, but, I mean, it's just, um, and, like, the whole story is like a 90s daytime TV medical drama show. Like, he transplanted yes. a liver from it. I won't give too much away, but, like, honestly, go listen because he, when I started to investigate it, I was like, oh, like, wow. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I bet you when you're researching it, you're just like, oh, surely there's like, you know, some context around this. I'm sure mm. like, you know, the livers weren't being used or anything like that. It was just yeah. some ones that were getting transplanted out of a body. It's just like, no, no, someone actually had a liver at yeah. that, his initials. <laughs> and he probably would have got away with it too, because it's not something that you, unless you reopen the person to look at mm. their liver, which is what happened with one patient, um, it eventually disappears. So you wouldn't see it on any ultrasound or CT or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, he, he almost got away with it. Mm. So, um, and I wonder how many he would have done had he not got caught. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. So highly recommend listeners tune into the episodes to find out how he got discovered, how he got discovered and also mm. what happened to him afterwards. Yeah. All I can say is that you'll be left enraged because yeah. <laughs> the sheer audacity of a man to leave his initials on your body <laughs> without your consent. Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. I had, uh, my entire <laughs> face when I was listening to that was just like, what? What? I know. Just, shock. So yeah. yes, highly recommend everyone listen to that episode if you're keen on being angry with men for another extra day in your life yeah yes exactly (laughs) yeah but on the podcast today even though i could talk to you about that for a very long time and why i got very cranky at him um we are here to talk about the issues taboos and topics to do with being a plus size person and you are a plus size nurse your title is a you're a nurse unit manager at a cancer day unit and you're here to talk about what it's like to be a nurse in a plus size body because I can imagine someone that works in the health industry, someone that works with uh, people that might have misconceived perceptions about weight and how that relates to health. I can imagine it's interesting industry to work in. Yeah. And to be honest, I um, like I've been overweight my whole life um, and it's varied up and down, obviously. Um, and when I went into nursing, I was probably at the fittest point in my life. I'd been at, uh, worked on a cattle station for four years. I was a cowgirl. Um, you know, I, I was very active. I rode horses. I, you know, did so much stuff, but I was still a plus size girl. And, um, and I've never had a problem physically doing my job as a nurse, which is very demanding. Mm. You know, you don't get to sit down. You, well, I do now I'm a manager, but prior to that, you know, it's very active. Mm. And I never really experienced a huge amount of um, like uh, I never not got jobs because yeah. I was, I've always got jobs. I um, I have experienced some Oh, like feedback, if you want to call it that, from patients maybe sort of when oh. you're trying to give health promotion advice and things like that. But I very much stay in my lane as a nurse. So I choose, I don't give a huge amount of of that kind of advice because the roles that I worked in previously, I didn't need to. Mm. And I would refer them to professionals. We have dietitians and stuff for that. that. But I have experience from doctors uh, both in my workplace and, and in my personal life, a lot of <laughs> uh, shame, I guess. I, I worked in a, in the operating theatres and I had a bariatric surgeon 
um, and I was working in his theatre and bariatric surgery is weight loss surgery. So Mm. lap banding, gastric sleeving. And he said to me, oh, I give you a staff discount. (gasps) And I was like, ah, okay. Like, mm." like I was so awkward. And I, and I, he was like, I don't know how you stand on your feet all day. And I was like, actually quite easily. So it's. (laughs) Sometimes it's really subtle and other times just any, and that was in a room full of people. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How, did, how did you respond? Obviously it would have been very difficult because there is that chain of power. And when there's like different mm. power dynamics, it can really influence how you feel like you're allowed to react in that situation. Mm. I, uh, I'm a pretty, I'm your typical fat funny friend so mm-hmm. <laughs> I just yep. laughed it off and was like ah, <laughs> like whatever um that wasn't actually the worst thing he'd ever did to me in the operating theater either so he um he had quite a reputation of being an asshole um to be honest but I I did say something to my managers mm-hmm. but it never really went anywhere and um you know and I think the worst part was that I had I had had weight loss surgery like six years prior and it was the worst decision I ever made in my life and um I and so I was like I was quite triggered working in that theater anyway Mm. and uh, especially when we you know sometimes you're doing that surgery on people that you just think why are you doing this because just because they're private patients they can pay for it like they're not even that big in reality like you know there's a time and a place I think for that kind of thing and sometimes these people only have a small amount of weight to lose really and I ethically I found it a real struggle yeah wow that would have been so so hard yeah because oh there is definitely this misconception with weight loss surgery like there's people that say oh it's just the quick fix it's the easy oh. fix which is just <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it is the most infuriating thing to hear mm-hmm. it was like the worst thing I've ever done in my life like yeah I lost yeah. weight really fast because I wasn't eating mm-hmm. um and I was vomiting anything I put in my mouth I vomited for nearly four years straight um oh my god and it was I, my men, yeah. And I think because I had, I lost weight really quick. Um, people would, would start telling me like how pretty I was or, you know, like suddenly my single friends wanted to go out with me or were hitting on me. And I was like, oh, so my worth is my weight, not who I am as a person. And I became mentally quite unwell. Mm. And, um, and I met my husband around the same time, like about six months after I had the surgery and, and I, I was so scared that um, when or if I gained the weight back that I would lose him and that wasn't the case at all. He was great. I mean, he was great considering I vomited 10 minutes after I met him like because I (laughs) ate a chicken nugget (laughs) and then I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like this is just what I do. Like, But, um, yeah, it was really interesting and I – I mean, I think there are people that gain a lot from weight loss surgery and it is what they need and it is the best thing for them. Um, But I didn't get any support um, psychologically or any, and this was back when it was super popular. Um, And, you know, I got, I had a really great surgeon and that proves now because I tried to take the band out 
And my surgeon now said, I can't. He did it so well, I'll damage your stomach. So now I'm kind of just stuck um, with this thing inside me that I want to get rid of that I can't. So, yeah. You tried to take it out. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I I still, I don't vomit a lot anymore, but I I still do. And, like, yeah, so I went and saw a surgeon and they were like, um, nah, they did such a great job. I will perforate your stomach if I try and take this out. Oh my God. Yeah. So for me, the risk was too high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, with that experience and like, you're still dealing with like the repercussions of it all. Mm. How did you go then? We'll go back to when you're in the theater and you're with the surgeon that was like performing these weight loss mm. surgeries, because Obviously, when you're in the theatre, the person you see in getting the surgery is like your, again, tell me if this is like too much details and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and also listeners, I'm sorry if this is too much details if you can't do this kind of talk. <laughs> but um, you're obviously seeing the fat, like, you know, they're being opened up. You're seeing mm. the fat. I'm interested, like, how did that ever like change or influence like your thoughts on like, you know, fat, like, you know, when we think of fat, we think, you know, a a belly or a a flabby arm or something like that. When you were there and you saw like, you know, I don't know how it happens. Like if they pull out fat, I don't know how it works, but like. (laughs) (laughs) Like So when they do the weight loss surgery, they don't actually do anything to your body except your stomach where they either Mm. um, use staples and like, uh, staple your stomach into a um, sleeve so they basically cut your stomach in half and they uh-huh. take half of your stomach out um, or they put a band in which sits sort of at the top of your stomach and creates a little pouch so you can only eat very small amounts of food mm. um, and it changes the type of food that you can eat whereas a sleeve you can eat almost any type of food but just very very small amounts yeah but I think the one thing that did interest me was when you we go in laparoscopically so we use cameras to go in we don't cut people open um yeah like the tv might show you we might have to if something goes wrong but Mm. I think the prior to my surgery I had to do two weeks of like um a very low calorie shake diet I won't say the names or anything but basically my surgeon put me on it and I asked why and it wasn't about losing weight it was about shrinking your liver because your liver can store fat and you can develop what we call a fatty liver. Um, mm. Not all fat people have a fatty liver, but, you know, like it's the liver is a really large organ which sits um, over the top of your stomach. So you have to lift it out of the way to get to your stomach. Yeah. And it, it can be quite dangerous um, to, to do that because if you cut your liver, you can hemorrhage quite quickly. Mm. Um, the liver will fix itself really easily, but you know, in the meantime, you can bleed to death. Um, and I think looking at people's livers and actually looking inside people's body and seeing that visceral fat around their tummies. And it, it sort of made me think about, um, you know, what it does inside you and how it does, it can be damaging, but also some of these people are super healthy like no blood pressure problems, no diabetes, no um, cholesterol issues, you know, just because you, you know, sometimes it isn't the case and sometimes, you know, you are very unwell and that's why they have the surgery to Mm. help reduce those um, health conditions. But 
it's it's super interesting if you ever get to see inside a body like <laughs> the anatomy doesn't look like it does in the books and it's really um it's really quite beautiful like you know it's just sometimes it's gross people think it's gross but I think mm. the inside of the human body is amazing yeah yeah <laughs> I get I get that yep I I go through little obsessions of like which part of the body I'm fascinated with like um before it was just like you know like uh like facial things like you know pimple poppings and like oh yeah and stuff like that but now like I'm really just fascinated with yeah like plastic surgeries Mm. and stuff like that especially like on shows like botched and other things like that oh yeah it's just it's just so fascinating like how the body is really you know we have so much emotion with our body and stuff like that but really it's just like a bunch of skin and parts put yeah. together <laughs> that's folded in one another yeah and like and yeah and I sometimes when I like and again this is just from watching tv shows this is nothing at all like <laughs> of what have you seen that's for sure but when I see stuff like that I sometimes think like oh here I am like you know hating my belly and then I'm just like literally in my belly is like so many useful things right now like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think my perception on my body changed um, 100% when I was pregnant because all of a sudden your body becomes like something useful. Mm. So, and I remember standing in (laughs) theatre, this is really gross, but standing in theatre. I love gross things. Give me the gross stories, yes. (laughs) I did a lot of plastic surgery as well and we would do big um, uh, like tummy tucks like mm. cut the fat off people and we use an electric diathermy which sort of cuts through the fat and it also stops any little bleeding vessels and when you burn just like if you put a steak on a barbecue it burns when you burn through fat it creates smoke and smell and normally you use ah. a um, suction device to get rid of the smell because and the smoke because not very pleasant well when I was pregnant <laughs> it was very pleasant I it made me crave meat and like (laughs) the surgeon would be like oh at one point I was drooling and the surgeon's like what is wrong with you and I was like oh I'm pregnant and he goes oh that explains everything and I was like oh my god I love it (laughs) but I did struggle when I was pregnant in the operating theater to be able to do the hours on my feet because I wasn't still wasn't able to eat enough um, food because of the band I had to actually take all the fluid out of my band and um, and I remember it was the first time I ever fainted in the operating theatre was and because I hadn't been able to drink anything because I every time I drank I vomited and oh my God. Um, the morning sickness as well and I think that's the first time that I thought and I was not um, the weight wasn't an issue I'd, I'd you know I hadn't gained any weight or anything and I was quite early in the pregnancy but it was the first time I felt my body was like tired. And I did often think if I was smaller, would I be as tired? Like my friends who are pregnant can work, but really it wasn't my size. It was the fact that I wasn't nourishing myself enough. And my baby was like sucking the life out of me, like the little parasite she was. So you know, <laughs> still doing no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. See, see, yeah, people don't talk about that enough, like with these weight loss surgeries, because I did find that I think it was 
it wasn't when the pandemic was like at its peak. It was like probably about a year later. I mm-hmm. noticed that so many people were getting this, the uh, weight loss surgery. It, and it just, obviously like, you know, I can't tell a plus size person, oh no, you shouldn't get that because obviously there's a lot of anti-fat bias that people have to experience yeah. in all different ways. We don't know what people experience. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just scary that people just don't know, like it's the repercussions afterwards can just be so, oh, so draining on your mental health and your body and also your self-confidence as well. Like I know someone that had weight loss surgery, they lost lots and lots of weight, but then it's the skin afterwards that's a big Mm. issue and it's the sex drive afterwards or it's their favorite foods they don't like at all and they can't even like mm-hmm. the smell of it like so much and oh i just yeah there just needs to be more conversations about like weight loss surgery it's not definitely not a quick fix i hate that no god no cheating. yeah oh, oh. yeah <laughs> and, and also the misconception that like if you're someone that's had weight loss surgery you haven't failed it if you have quote unquote put the weight back on that's what i hate i hate narratives like that because yeah i've heard that a lot well i i remember i went to my surgeon for a review but i didn't get to see him i saw his um like offsider resident registrar whatever mm-hmm. and um i said i was saying to him i've and i was about 7 or 8 weeks pregnant and i said to him I can't eat enough and I have the most excruciating heartburn, which I'd had ever since the surgery, but this was at a, it was, and I was so early in the pregnancy. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like I was literally having severe reflux at night and all day. And he said, "Um, well, so long as you eat a couple of cans of tuna in oil, you'll be fine. And I was like, I'm trying to grow a baby here. Like, you know, I really don't think this is okay. And I don't want the fluid in my band anymore. And I'd like you to take it out. And he Mm. said, oh, no. And so I had to call a nursing friend of mine and say, can you please take, like, you know how to access the port to take it out. And she was like, oh, I can give it a go. Like she was a pretty confident nurse. So (laughs) I just got the stuff from work and went home and laid on the couch and she took the fluid out for me. And (laughs) and. From that day on, it sort of got a bit better. But I was like, I fainted at work. I can't keep anything down. I'm shaky all the time. I have mm. severe reflux. I'm asking you to remove the fluid out of my band because I'm pregnant and I want to nourish my body. And he said, you'll put weight back on. And I was like, yeah, that was that's okay. Concern. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I hadn't lost weight at that point in a very long time because my body had plateaued because Mm. once you stop feeding yourself the right amount of nourishment, your body just won't lose weight. Um, And, yeah, I I was really devastated by that, um, that conversation because I felt like I deserved to be heard. And I guess like any doctor, when you see them, you deserve to be heard. And just because I'm overweight... It didn't doesn't mean you can deny me what I ask for. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was a really tricky time, and my pregnancy didn't go very well. So that just started with that, and then just kept going south. So yeah, yeah. but it was yeah. So it was just it's just one little thing I think in the cog that we need to listen to 
people no matter what their size are. And we know that statistics and studies have shown that people that are overweight get misdiagnosed, they get delayed diagnosis, and they, you know, weight loss isn't the answer for a lot of things. Not mm-hmm. a, Weight loss is not a short-term fix. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it can't ever be a short-term fix. Yeah, absolutely. I do have to ask, you've used the word overweight and obviously like in the medical world, overweight is commonly used. Mm. How do you go by, go by with, cause you obviously have to um, often use that word. Like when you're talking about patients and talking about certain diagnoses and stuff like that, how do you go about with that word? Because for a lot of people, the word overweight can be like triggering or it can be like they would rather use fat or plus size. Like, do you, is it kind of like for you, it doesn't phase you too much because it's from like a medical standpoint. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. that I was thinking about that when I hear, because I get really triggered by the word fat. Really? Yeah. And I don't oh. know if it's because I am in the healthcare industry and we really mm. shy away from that word. Like we never use it. We would never write they use the word obese all the time, which I also don't really like, which is probably why mm. I use the term overweight. <laughs> yeah, it's much, much like, <laughs> nicer than obese. Much yeah. nicer. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like they will literally write in the notes, you know, like 44-year-old obese woman, whereas I, or, you know, they might write overweight, but they would never write fat. Mm. I try and use the word um fat as much as I can when describing like especially around my child or describing my weight or um you know like because the people will say to you oh you're not fat I'm like what am I then <laughs> I'm sorry like I'm not I'm not blind like I know mm. and um and I think it's it's really industry the healthcare industry does not use the term fat and I don't know if it's changing because uh, I've been a nurse for 23 years so I was trained a really long time ago and we sure did not use um, fat. We, you know, we probably were not um, taught to mention it at all, really, to be honest, okay. just shy yeah. away from it. But I work in cancer at the moment and we weigh people every single time we see them. They walk in, we get them to stand on the scales. And because we need to manage their we're not managing their weight. We manage their malnutrition with cancer because when we're giving yeah. chemo, if people stop eating, I don't care what size you are. I don't want you to lose weight because you've got to protect your body while you're being treated. And there are a certain demographic of women, which is probably my age or older, who struggle when we tell them when they start to lose weight because they're actually okay with it because, <laughs> like, I've been conditioned since I was eight years old to stand on some scales. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I say to them, like, you need to as, eat as much high-calorie food as you can. So if that means, you know, you're eating mashed potato, add cream and butter to it, have full cream milk, add ice cream to your iced coffee <laughs> instead of just milk, add, you know, eat custard and fortify it with, like, milk powder or and they're like horrified mm. at the thought of doing that because they're a low fat um, skim milk bred into them. And it's it's a real challenge, to be honest. Like, And the men are meat and three veg. And you're like, if you can't tolerate <laughs> meat and three veg, 
please just eat a potato cake or like, <laughs> you know, one bloke, he, he was like, so I'm allowed to eat that stuff. And I was like, yeah. So he went to like his fish and chip shop and asked them to order a big bag of their potato cakes and dim sims. And he just cooked it in his air fry, but he only liked that <laughs> those kind. And I was like, like, it's really interesting, you know, and I, and I always say to them, especially if they are, um, either really small or really big and, and to everyone, Absolutely, I say it, but mm. I sort of reiterate to them, I'm not weighing you because I need to know how much you weigh. I need to, I'm weighing you because I want to make sure that we're keeping you healthy through this. I also need your weight to make sure we're giving you the correct dose of chemotherapy. Mm. And I'm really sorry, but like, and we try not to make a big deal. We try and keep them to learn to go in, step on it and tell us, like, we certainly don't shout it across the room or anything like mm. that. And, um, and when they see that literally every person has to do it, they really do feel um, like sometimes we'll have a joke with them, like, what have you got in your pockets? Empty them out or, you know, like <laughs> try and make it a little bit less like standing on the scales every day. But, yeah, it's really challenging. And I can understand why people would be, um, why that would upset them because I would hate to be told to stand on the scales every day. So, yeah. 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 I have. Yeah. Like many, many people, I got a very bad relationship with scales and at my GP, I've started to say, I don't wish to be weighed because, oh, uh, the last time that I was weighed at the doctor, I was too heavy for the scales. Oh, and it's, that it's infuriating. Was, <laughs> like, I know I'm a fat person, but I'm, there are, firstly, there are men out there that are incredibly tall and that are, mm. have big built bodies, whether they're fat or whether they're muscular. Yeah. That would a thousand percent weigh more than me, a thousand percent weigh more than me because yeah. I'm, I'm probably like, what, like 171 centimeters. Like who, like, what about the people that are like six foot tall? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that that really upset me that the fact that they don't have scales that could go to my weight and that so I was just like eh, no I'm not gonna get weighed anymore mm. is that okay to say no to being weighed yeah. when it comes to general GPs yeah I was 100 percent 100 percent so I I uh have experienced the scales not working but it was in a bariatric surgeon's office I was horrified. I was like, are you kidding me that you don't have scales that go to a larger size when I'm seeing a bariatric surgeon? This was when I was seeing someone about taking my band out just two years ago or three years ago. And she's like, oh, this isn't our normal office. And I was like, yes, yeah, so bring the scales that you normally use with you. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? So I always make sure that when we, because I set up the the oncology unit that I work in, and I, we made sure that our scales were um, able to go to a much higher weight than normal mm. because, well, firstly, I needed a nice big base because I want, you know, old people are really unsteady. They can't stand on these tiny little little scales. So it's really hard for them to put their feet together. Mm, and so mm. I wanted wide base ones and and that therefore wide base ones um, often go to a much higher um, scale level. And um. But I agree if you're going to your GP and you're just going for general uh, stuff that uh, your weight isn't going to matter, like for medication dosing or something like that, mm. if you don't want to be weighed, don't be weighed. So I have I have a fantastic GP and um, I've worked with him 
in the hospital before and and now that he's left I see him as my GP so ah awesome and, um, <laughs> last year I I have type 2 diabetes and I was very very stressed out not last year the year before two years ago and um I was going through a bit of a a serious case of burnout and I went to see him and I knew my sugars were becoming a bit high because I felt like shit Mm. and um, I had some blood tests done and I went in and he had the bloods in front of him and he said how are you and I burst into tears and he just turned the blood test over and we just talked about my mental health and I said I know those levels are horrible I'm so sorry but I can't talk about them today like just increase my medication or something and and when I feel better, we'll we'll have a conversation. And he was so good. He just upped my, uh, changed my medication for me and dealt with my mental health stuff. And then six months later, when I was feeling heaps more mentally <laughs> stable, I went to him and I said, right, let's talk about all the other things that are wrong. Um, and he he did. We started talking about medication and my blood test had improved with the medication. So that was really good. And then I knew he was going to start talking about food and diet. So I cut him off before he even had a chance. And I was like, here's the deal. I can't lose weight. I've tried to lose weight my entire life. So can we not focus on that? Um, Because when I start to feel better, I actually treat my body better. Mm -hmm. And right now I know my sugars are high and my sugars being high make me feel like shit. So if I had an infection, you give me antibiotics. I've got high sugars, so can you give me medication? What can we do to sort about this? I spoke to the diabetic educator at work and she suggested um, Ozempic. And I was like, for my blood sugar, but also for the added weight loss uh, benefit that she had seen. Now, this was before it had gone public as a weight loss thing. And she said to me, I've seen really good results with my type 2 diabetic patients who haven't been able to shift any weight and you should think about it and I was like oh like I'm not really focused on the weight loss and she goes no you don't have to be but it's a really good drug like it's a good it might help you stabilize and I was like all right well I trust your opinion so then I had this conversation with my doctor and he did sort of start on the on the diet slightly and then could see, obviously, I was a bit like, no, thank you. And and I'd maintained my weight for quite a few years at that point. And I figured that's better than upping and downing it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and so we decided that I tried a certain amount of drugs and then I did qualify for Ozempic and we would start it. Mm. And I was like, I was really nervous because I didn't want to inject myself because although I'm a very heavily tattooed nurse, I'm terrified of needles <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to give myself any needles. And so <laughs> the Ozempic needles like so tiny, like I, was, I did it and I had to trick myself into doing it. I was like, I'll do it really? on three and then on two I stabbed myself. <laughs> like, mind games, it's so dumb. <laughs> anyway, in the three months that I started to use it, I did lose weight and I lost weight easily, didn't even try, nothing changed in me. And then my, because there's lots of side effects with Ozempic and I'm not sure, (laughs) like, all those celebrities out there in Bravo land that are clearly on Ozempic and some of them are admitting admitting to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure if they've 
like I had terrible diarrhea. I'll give you that. Like it was horrific. And I mean, I just can't imagine Kyle sitting on the toilet all day. Like (laughs) anyway. And then of course the shortage happened and I couldn't get it. And I was like, oh well, like let's just swap swap to another drug, right? I don't care about it that much. Like, Yeah. yeah, it was great. But also for me, it wasn't necessarily about the weight loss. It was about getting my sugars under control, which it did a fabulous, everything went back to like completely normal levels. So I switched to a tablet because I tried a different injection, which wasn't a weight loss one at all. And the needle hurt so bad. And I was like, no, I still got some sitting in my fridge. I was like, give me a tablet. Like I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and, um, and I haven't gone back on it. I've, I changed the way I do things. Um, and I do Pilates and stuff now and I I exercise for my mental health, which is so dumb because I hate exercise so much. But <laughs> oh, I, And you walk nothing... already so much at well, your work well, <laughs> Now I'm a nurse unit manager. I do spend a lot of time at the desk and I think that's why I started to do some exercise this year because I felt like I was being really sedentary and I... I wasn't used to that because as an nurse, you are very active. And, and I felt like I got my steps in doing that. And then, yeah. And I, I was starting to get um, like sore hips and things. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll go do something. And I did an eight week challenge and I did it to just go regularly to the gym. Mm. And, um, which is not something I ever have done ever in my life. And, and it was fun and it was, um, just really lighthearted and, and I then I switched to Pilates and now I just whinge and moan my way through Pilates because, like, <laughs> Pilates looks easy. Any exercise you can do without shoes on laying on your back, but it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, and it's not about weight loss and it, I can't ever make things like this about weight loss because I sabotage myself and then I, I'm just not, not good. So, um, but I think, like, I didn't, I don't know if, what other people's thoughts are on on Ozempic and those other weight loss drugs. I don't think it's a long-term solution for anything, just like any quick fix. I mean, you can drink bloody lady shakes to the cows come home and you can lose 10 kilos. But as soon as you go back to eating your normal diet, you're um, screwed, really, aren't you? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just want to find a happy medium with loving my body for what it can do and being comfortable in my skin which is often hard especially in the healthcare world when you're sitting at lunch with the dietitian and like <laughs> think are you judging me <laughs> yeah what are your thoughts then on like people that pretend like I'm only eating smaller portions. That was that Amy Schumer interview. She was making oh. fun of celebrities that lied and say like oh I only eat smaller portions. I don't take Ozempic. Yeah. Do you think people if they take Ozempic or they have weight loss surgery do you think people should tell others that's how I lost the weight or that's why my body is changing like do you think we particularly women because women we have such such Mm. a long and complicated history of our bodies yeah do people then should they tell others that they should or is it kind of like none of their business or well I've got complicated thoughts for it yeah I I feel 
yeah, complicated thoughts is firstly, I feel like you don't deserve, you don't owe anybody any explanations for how or why you do things or how and why you look. Mm. If you are a public figure, mm-hmm. is that different? Uh, you had, I saw Dolores on Watch What Happened Live with Andy, who freely admitted she was taking, um, I don't think she was using Ozempic. I think she was using Man- Manjaro, which is a different one, Yeah, which is not a diabetic drug. And, you know, she freely admitted that she was doing it because she was like, I wasn't going to let those other bitches get skinnier than me. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> um do they owe us an explanation? I think it's irresponsible if they lose large amounts of weight and uh, saying they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. So if you're just saying, well, I just, I've cut carbs, but you're also using a drug to help you, then I think if you don't talk about it at all, then don't talk about it at all. But I did see an interview. I don't know if you, oh, you shared it with Rebel Wilson. Oh. Oh, the 600 <laughs> calories comment or those like that 1200 miss- calories is not even enough for a human. Like I've just learned this year doing that eight week challenge where I didn't do any of the food stuff, but it was very interesting to listen to what the minimum amount of food calories you should really be ingesting, which is obviously mm-hmm. very different for everybody. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You're going to lose weight on 600 calories, but uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> You're also going to harm your body and, and your brain won't function correctly. Fuck. Oh, mm. my God. Yeah, I was horrified. I was like, are you kidding me? I, I don't know if they, I don't know if anyone owes us anything about their body, but if you're talking about it, then you owe us an accurate explanation. It's like, you know, Kylie Jenner saying she never had lip filler. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I just overlined my lips. I mean, she doesn't say that anymore, but, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I think if you're going to talk about it, let others talk about it, but if you're going to try and f- answer the question, do it honestly because it's unrealistic. I don't want my 10-year-old daughter thinking that the people she is following are losing weight by not eating McDonald's or, you know, by doing really simple things when in reality it's not the case yeah yeah how do you handle that as a parent as someone that's got complicated relationship with their body and then also Mm. you know you've had weight loss surgery as well like how do you navigate those conversations with your daughter like and at the same time say to her like you know love your body accept your body Mm. because as someone that's not a parent, I have no idea how you parents do it, honestly. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm doing it well or even okay. <laughs> but <laughs> my kid is 10 and she has the self-confidence um, that I never had at 10. But she also doesn't have a mother that put her on the scales at 8 and told her to lose 10 kilos. Oh, so I, from the minute I found out I was having a daughter, I instantly stopped talking horrible about myself I might have internalized it but I don't vocalize it Mm -hmm. um and I thought I need to break this habit right this second and so I am very open about my body I am uh, naked around her I um you know if she asks questions like um a kid 
I, I like obviously a kid at a school called me fat and she told me and I said that's okay I am fat but I'm also like a really good nurse a good mom a pretty cool person I'm super funny and she's like oh god no you're not and then that was it, it was done right and so you know I try and spin it be like yeah I am but that's okay and mm. so I when you know her body's changing at the moment and so we we talk about it openly and and I make sure that you know, she's comfortable in that and and we don't we don't talk about people by the way they necessarily look. We talk about what they do or how they make us feel. And um and I just I've always let her wear what she wanted to wear. So, you know, when she was four and wearing a crop top and people are like, oh I'm like, mate, she's four. If you've got an issue with her belly, that's on you. Like, yeah. you know, um, she also never wears clothes. Like this kid has lived in knickers since the day she was <laughs> put a pair of knickers on. Like, um, and even now she's, you know, she's 10. She'll still come home from school and, and especially in summer and just put her knickers on and, and hover around. I've bought her crop tops because she's getting little, you know, buds, but she's not interested in that. And, you know, I don't care what she wears or doesn't wear. And like, we have a pretty free and open house. And um, I let her ask questions and I answer them probably way too honest, but it's, I think that's important. And yeah, I don't know. We, she has a terrible relationship with food because she's so fussy because I've never wanted to push her to eat. So I made this huge rod for my own back, (laughs) but I also, I buy the food in the house. So, you know, she can only eat what's in the house and Yep, there's biscuits and LCM bars and stuff like that, but there's fruit and um, healthy food that she will eat. We don't talk about food as healthy or unhealthy or good or bad. It's just what you eat. We also, and this will be controversial, so I'll be interested to see what people have to say about this. We do not sit down and eat dinner together. We do not eat dinner at the dinner table. I don't care that it's family time. We get family time elsewhere. My Some of the best and worst memories of my life sitting at the dinner table obviously there's beautiful moments around the dinner table with your family and your loved ones but there's also times where I was forced to sit there till after 11 o'clock at night because I wouldn't eat the fish that was on my plate because I hate fish so I was forced to sit there Um, I was also forced to eat every single thing that was on my plate regardless of whether I was full or not if I wanted more for whatever reason I was shamed if I didn't want to eat at all I was shamed I never got a choice in how much food was put on my plate. And so I was like, I'm never doing that. And, yep, I dish my kid's meal up, but I also, if she doesn't want to eat it, I never tell her to finish it. Mm. It's If you don't eat it, you don't eat it. But there's also, like, no dessert. We don't do dessert or stuff like that in our house. If you're hungry, you can have, you can have something afterwards, but it's, and you can always have more dinner, but it's like we have dinner with our, with my parents-in-law every Sunday night. We all sit around the table choose you can pick whatever the you want you know put we call it american style but there's still no pressure for her to eat anything that's on there and if we're eating something i know she doesn't like i'll take food for her um but yeah i don't i don't believe sitting around the dinner table is necessarily healthy option yeah it's great if you have all have a healthy relationship with food but I don't think you need to eat everything you put on your plate. I don't think you need to sit together to enjoy that. And I, I, we rarely sit at the table together to eat 
even if we all eat at the same time, we sit where we're comfortable. Sometimes that might be at the table if we're having tacos and we all have to like dish our own up or something. But yeah. Yeah. I really, really like that because yeah, when you're younger, it's not only like the pressures you have on yourself or others put on you, like how much you eat on a plate. It's also like you look at like what your parents eat, what your siblings eat, and you think like, oh, why does my brother, why why does he get like a bigger piece of lasagna than me? Why is that? Like he's literally yeah. the same size as me and like younger than me. Why does he get a bigger piece than me? And yeah, it, it's food can just be such a complicated thing. And especially when you're young yeah. and you just so easily influenced so you know what even though i don't have kids and i like before anyone, <laughs> i always have to preface that all the time whenever i make comments about like children and stuff like that because people will go like you don't even have kids it's just like i have t- i have three fur babies i may not have pushed them out but i have fur babies. <laughs> um yeah look i may not have children but i do really 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 appreciate that a lot like not having this pressure on making mm. food this formal thing and you have to finish what's on your plate and yeah that's so true like you can't have you can't ask for more and you can't not finish any of it and yeah it's just you know what I like it I like it a lot I don't know what listeners will think I'll be keen to see yeah they have to say but yeah I like (laughs) that and what should with tv I always have to eat my meals with tv oh yeah and my kids always eating meals and sometimes when they're little like she was such a fussy eater that unless she had a screen she actually didn't eat. So for me, it was like a tool to eat. Terrible. That's terrible parenting. Probably if you don't, if you don't start, that's probably a really good thing. But I did start it and uh, now I have to follow through with it. But it's, um, yeah, I think it's important to just emphasize to kids that they, they're allowed choice. Like we talk about body autonomy. Well, they're allowed to decide what they put in their mouth within reason, obviously, oh, yeah. because mm. I cook the food. I mean, you know, some days I cook the food and I might as well just taking it straight from the fry pan and put it in the bin but uh, like you know <laughs> it's yeah and now she's a bit older she gets to have a bit of a say and she likes the most for a fussy kid she likes the most random things and so you know and I make sure that we we all eat what we like and sometimes I do cook three meals because we don't want to eat the same thing and and if I'm okay with that then it should bother you but it will yeah. it does bother people they're like, I can't believe you cook three meals. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want steak. So I want a pasta and my kid wanted tuna, like whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. I just put a podcast on and cook. So like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. The only reason I'll cook is if there's a podcast. Otherwise I'm just yeah. like, all right, let's take out for me. I know I need something in my ears. Yeah. 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 And I, I have to say like, as someone that's also a very, very fussy eater, my God, like the, like, for example, I always get shit about this i cannot eat anything leafy like lettuce spinach like it just reminds me of grass (laughs) cannot for the life of me do it i really really appreciate that even though your daughter is a fussy eater i do appreciate that you have made it that she doesn't have to be ashamed about it because Mm. i have grown up to feel very ashamed about my fussy eating habits like like it gets to a point, even if it's like the tiniest smidge of lettuce, I have to pick it off like even a cheeseburger because mm. I just feel like I'm going to barf. But like. Lettuce doesn't belong in burgers. 
Like, it what a waste. <laughs> what does it do? It doesn't do anything. Like, and no. I love lettuce, but I'm like, no vegetables on my burgers. No, yeah. <laughs> put that crap away. Give it to the rabbits. That's my thinking. I always um, say if you have, and you'll understand this, if you have dogs and you feed them some food and they don't like it, why are you going to keep buying it? So, yes. like, yes, you have to encourage children to eat and, and encourage children to try everything, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean if they've truly given it a go. And I always say this to Amelia, just give it a go. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. But, you know, maybe you will like it and then, you know, like she was like, I don't like curry. Turns out she loves curry. So, you know, like it's, it's I'm not saying you should let them rule your, rule everything, but you shouldn't push them either. Like yeah. we, and as adults, we get choice. Like I don't like carrots. So we don't have carrots in our house. Really? Like it's just, um, Amelia, I don't know if Amelia likes carrots because I don't feed it to her. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So a relationship with food shouldn't like, it shouldn't, this is the problem. Like, and as an overweight fat person, mm-hmm. people just assume you either eat tons and tons of food which isn't the case. Like I eat a fairly healthy diet, but like there's a shame around us. Like if we go out to eat, it's like, mm, like people judge you regardless of what you're eating. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that in your house? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll be back in just a moment. But first I want to talk to you all about today's sponsor, Normal. Ready to explore pleasure on your terms? Our friends at Normal are here to help and they've got an amazing deal exclusively for you, so keep listening. Normal's curated range of modern pleasure essentials is designed to help you explore your sexuality in an empowering way with beautiful toys, educational videos and even sex coach designed conversation starters to help you connect with your desires. You can experience it all It all by going to itsnormal.com and using their quiz to find your perfect match. And while we promise you don't need 100 nights to know normal is a perfect match, with our 100 night stand guarantee policy, you've got all the time you need to make sure your new toy is right for you. If you don't love it, you can exchange it for store credit and try something else. Their team will even help you pick what you truly desire. And we've got an extra special offer for our fatinized listeners. Use the code SEXYNEWS and get $50 off all toys over $100. Head on over to itsnormal.com and use the code SEXYNEWS at checkout. Thanks again to Normal for sponsoring today's episode of Fatinize. Now, back to the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So to finish today's episode, like I do with every week with my guests, we share our fave fat-friendly finds of the week, which is pretty much brands, uh, Instagram platforms, people that actually 
look at plus size issues or brands that actually cater to the plus size community. So my dear, I'm very <laughs> interested to hear what are your fave fat friendly finds of the week? Well, I have uh, two and I don't know if you've shared them before. I'm pretty sure you're all over them though, but curvature clothing oh, yes. is my absolute favorite because as a fat person, fast fashion is our easiest go-to because like we have no choice really, limited choice. And so I tried to stop doing that and stop buying cheap things just for the sake of it. And I hate shopping in general, doesn't matter what it's for. So if I can do it online, I'll do it online. And honestly, I bought a dress. I love that it's like completely customizable for like sleeve length or neck shape or like like everything about it, you can change to what you want. And I'm a strictly black girl. So her colourful stuff, although I love it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can wear that. <laughs> and um, and I just, I have three of her dresses now and I just, I'm obsessed. And I, she's doing chul and I can't wait to get. Oh, oh my God. pink one. I saw it oh, on no. Instagram stories. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, I need it. I need that pink chul dress. Yes. <laughs> was, it, um, was it April that wore the black chul? Yeah. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Like, I need, amazing. Need that outfit. Yeah. Yes. Need that outfit. Mm. And then, because we're like fat and we get chub rub, I'm obsessed with snag tights, which are a UK brand. You stole my recommendation. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah! I only remembered because <laughs> I had just bought some more. <laughs> Their tights are like the best I've ever had in my entire life. Aren't they amazing? Their chub rub shorts are like, they don't roll. They're like not too hot. So you don't sweat everywhere. And their actual tight tights are like just incredible. And they're cheap. Like they're not expensive. I know, right? And like the material, it's... It's thick that it doesn't like break easy because I've tried yeah. to like try some tights and like stockings and stuff like that. And it just, if you put like the slightest little finger mm. blocking spot, then you have a big massive hole. Yeah. And when you're a fat person trying <laughs> to like pull up tights <laughs> and not get a hole, oh my God, that is yeah. hard. And they have footless ones as well, which I love because I wear sneakers to work, but sometimes I wear a skirt. And so the footless ones are like perfect Mm. because they look weird with my bright pink sketches. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, I have these knee high black socks that I just recently got from Snag Tights and it has taken me so many years because I don't know why. It's just a look that I like. I love knee high black socks. I just love it. But I could never wear them Mm. as a fat bitch because they always roll down because I got really thick calves. But these ones just stay up. They just, they Mm. don't fall down somehow. They just, and they're a nice material. They're not, they're just, I just Yeah, they really nailed the plus size market in that space. They yeah. have absolutely, mm. they've done such a great job. And I also love that with the sizing, they have done it in letters. So it's literally just like, all right, mm. put, your me- put your measurements in. All right, these are your letters. Who give who gives a crap what size you are? Yeah. Because, yeah, because yeah, with tights, you'll always have to often like go up a size because it's better to be a little bit bigger than be too tight. And then you spend but... the whole time just hoiking up the bloody gusset yep. of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. I mm. just had a thought for the plus size nurses out there. If any, I hope our nursing community is listening to you, but um, eNurse Australia do a really great, we do have some affiliation with them, but they do a really great plus size range of 
scrubs and Ooh. really, really, really size inclusive. Some of them I think go to four or five XLs. So they're like, and they're, <laughs> they're like huge. Cause I got sent, um, some, and I was like, just send me the biggest size. Cause that's what I'm always like, you know, and yeah. hopeful. And the biggest size came and I was like an aftershot of someone that had lost like a hundred oh kilos. I was like, oh, that's too big for me. Like, I was like, send them back. Yeah. So I think um, I might've seen yeah. them on TikTok. I think, I think I saw that and saved it because I was just like, oh, that's cool. Size and yeah. Brand. They're awesome. really good. They're really good. And they're really comfy and they're great quality. So, um, I know there's not a lot on the market for plus size we had heaps of brands reach out to us and I'm like I can't even fit in them why would I work with you like read the room like oh really <laughs> like we are size inclusive we go to 2xl but their 2xl was like a 16 and I was like <laughs> <laughs> oh honey no that's no. not size inclusive <laughs> no Bless yeah. them. Hmm, they, <laughs> oh, they think they're trying. <laughs> yeah, it was a man as well. So go figure. <laughs> Why are men? Why are men? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Why well, are men indeed? Why are men indeed? Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on to today's podcast. Where can people find you for more of your knowledge, wisdom, and beautiful growth stories about the inside of the body? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they can find my podcast at, uh, at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast on Instagram. Um, and, yeah, we're on every streaming platform, I think, that's out there. And, yeah, we've got uh a new episode yeah that we dropped today about that surgeon but yeah we we're sort of starting back up we had a bit of a break and uh yeah we're back into it we've got we've got one next week that you'll love it's gross stuff pimple Yay. popping things the science behind it yeah i love all the gross stuff yes, yeah <laughs> same yes i love it well, thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on to today's podcast. And yes, listeners, please tune into Two Humorous Nurses podcast. It's humorous it like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. <laughs> it took, I have to admit, it actually took me a while to figure out what the joke was. Oh. <laughs> I look, I'm a bit slow with some things sometimes. And I was just like, I know there's a joke there. I know there's a joke there. And I'm just like, oh, like the bone. Oh. Here to quickly and awkwardly interrupt here. The end of the podcast episode, for some reason, just cut off near like the very, very end, like two minutes until the very ending. So here is Demi several days later, awkwardly just here to do the sign off part. That's literally all the previous recording cut off so anyway thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the fatternized podcast if you enjoyed the show please head on over to spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening give us a review give us a rating and also make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss a future episode and also again big Big thanks to our guests this week for coming onto the show. And you listeners out there, if you have any guests that you recommend should come onto the show to talk about all the fat issues, taboos, topics, send me a DM. Talk to me. Let me know who you would like to see next on the Fat and Eyes show. Anyway, I'm your host, Demi Lynch. I will see you all next week. Bye. This podcast was sponsored by Normal. Normal. Sexual pleasure 
at your fingertips, guaranteed. We at Fatanize pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land we record on today. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.